Welcome back to the NFL CD, the NFL podcast off the top of the noggin from south of the Twin Cities and New Jersey's capital. I am Cody Benjamin, the C of the NFL CD. Remember, this is a play on words, so we hope you've been liking it so far. Play on words because it is a CD, an audio podcast. Also, D, Dimitri George is on the other line. We love to talk to him. Today, we got a special guest on our podcast as well. We are going to be talking some Pittsburgh Steelers with a guy who knows all things Steelers. Uh, Dimitri's also going to be in the house afterwards to talk about some headlines around the NFL. We got plenty of those. Jay Cutler, now the newest, apparently, Miami Dolphins starting quarterback with Ryan Tannehill out of the mix. And also Anquan Bolden signing with the Buffalo Bills. Apparently, he had a contract offer from Buffalo uh, in this past week, turned that down, but then came back, reversed his uh, decision, and is now with the Bills. we got a lot to talk about on this episode. We had a lot to talk about the last week because uh, we were talking about Sam Bradford's mom at training camp, coming live from Minnesota State University, Mankato, also talking about uh, what it means uh, for John Gruden potentially coming back in the fold as an NFL coach. This guy, he loves Steelers. He bleeds Steelers. And, and we've got somebody on the line here that's going to be coming on shortly from Steelers Depot. First, I uh, I want to make sure that my co-host is here. Dimitri, how are we doing today? Cody, we're doing lovely. It's a rainy day in here in uh, New Jersey, but uh, it's always a good day to talk football. It's it's always a good day. And, and you know, I, I was getting on you a little bit last time because you sang, you sounded a little too down for me. Um, being that it was the Hall of Fame game when we were talking. But there's no reason, absolutely no reason, that you should be down today because we have a, a guy that, that spits Steelers knowledge. This is Alex Kazora of Steelers Depot. Um, it's like the Home Depot, except you go there to get all the Steelers stuff you want. Dimitri shops there regularly. Um, I've been checking it out because I know that Alex comes from Clarion University and um, they, they played football against IUP, which is the school that you never heard of, but that Dimitri and I went to. But we got Alex on the line. We're lucky enough to have him for a few minutes today. Alex, how are you doing? Cody, Dimitri, good to talk to you guys. And, yeah, Clarion played football against IUP, but usually not well. You guys won most of the matchups up there, my time at least. Yeah, well, you know, that, that's why exactly why we're talking Pittsburgh Steelers and not Clarion football. But I know that <laughs> um, Dimitri's, Dimitri's the big Steelers guy. I'm going to let him start this off and fire a few questions your way uh, before we crown the Steelers' uh, inevitable Super Bowl champion. So, Dimitri, um, you go ahead and take this away while we, we start off our time with Alex. Yeah, Alex, once again, really appreciate you coming on and doing this with us. Um, and like I said to you when I messaged you, it's a very casual podcast. So you and I could sit here, we can go all day, you know, through the <laughs> bottom of the roster guys and talk about potential uh, practice squads and even shout out to Ethan Cooper from IUP. We can go all, all day about that. But we're going to hit most of the, uh, I guess, um, uh, you know, the headlines of the Steelers, if you will, going into the season. But I will mix in a couple in there because I'm a little interested because I know you've been at camp uh, every day doing the great work that you do for Steelers Depot. So appreciate that. My first question is, I think one of the biggest uh, camp uh, highlights for the Steelers going in this year was the wide receiver uh, depth or potential. And now that kind of had a little bit of a hiccup early on with some injuries. Sammy Coates obviously having surgery right before uh, training camp started, and he's on the pup list, hopefully working his way back here soon. But 
What's your biggest takeaway so far with uh, training camp? Who's stuck out? Who's stu- uh, you know? Who's maybe disappointed? Who's making some headlines for themselves? What have, what have you seen so far? I think the biggest standout so far has to be Juju Smith-Schuster, and it started out on a really sour note. The third play of training camp on the uh, on the first practice, he gets hurt, uh, sprains his ankle, misses a couple days. But since he's come back, guys, he's been, I think, as advertised and then some uh, as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Um, he's catching at a high percentage. I think he's catching about 70% of his targets. Um, but, you know, beyond the numbers, it's his body control, ability to find the football, ability to finish plays, and a really good pair of hands and good, you know, concentration um, to finish, you know, some of those difficult catches along the sidelines. He's able to adjust the poorly thrown passes and put himself in a good position. He's a tough guy, can make catches in traffic. And I'm even seeing this is the big thing because, you know, we assume that if he's going to play this year, he's going to play in the slot. Um, can he separate the top of his route? And I'm seeing a little bit of that. I'm seeing some nuance in his in the stem of his route to create separation at the top. Not at an Eli Rogers level, of course, but I think at a level that might be good enough for, for it to succeed. So uh, I've been really happy with just – it's just crazy, guys. He's 20 years old. He didn't hit 21 to November. And, and the level of maturity and the work ethic he's showing, working with Heinz Ward after practice, they run gassers um, after every day. Uh, it, it, it's really, I think, rare and unique and has me excited. Uh, Justin Hunter's done well, but I caution people, he, of course he was going to do well. He's 6'4", 200-plus to run 4'4". He better look good in this environment than he has so far. Um, one guy that's struggling a little bit, Kobe Hamilton, just it's not a great separator. Um, hands have been a little more suspect than what I expected him to be after what he did last year. He's drawn very much on the outside looking in to get on this 53-man roster. And the Marcus Ayers uh, missed yesterday. With an injury, I'm not sure what the issue is, but of course he's got to get back in a game setting because his path to make the 53 is as a starting punt returner, and you can't replicate that in a Latrobe practice. You have to do that in stadium. So um, for him to prove that he's worth, he's going to have to do it in games. Hopefully he can get ready uh, for Friday's first preseason game against the Giants. Yeah, you talk about Justin Hunter, and I, I was one of those who, like you said, you know, especially, um, you know, when the pads weren't on yet, everyone's getting hyped up over Justin Hunter. And, you know, like you said, I mean, he's a freak. I mean, he's a Mark mm-hmm. Davis lookalike. Right. Uh, but, you know, it's something like you said. I- I'm, I'm, I'm sort of getting antsy myself, as you said. You know, we're, I love reading the articles. And I'm just, like, getting excited just for Friday to get here so we can actually watch this in stadiums because that's really where it counts. You can do as much as you can on the practice field to make a name for yourself, but you have to be able to back it up when we get into the stadium. And one of those other underlying things for some of these wide receivers that, you know, on the outside looking is is special teams. And, you know, they've got to make their mark on special teams, whether it's a gunner, um, punt team, whatever it is, they've got to make their mark. I mean, I look at uh, – and if you go on the flip side of that, the corners, which I thought was another interesting topic for me going into training camp is that while, you know, some people – I, I, one of one of the reasons that I, I want to talk about is because a guy that I really like, even though I know he gets a bashed a lot by Steelers Nation, is Ross Cockrell. I, I I know it's not a he's not a flashy guy. He's not going to wow you, but I don't I don't watch a game and I don't sit there and feel myself saying, "Wow, Ross really got burned there, really got beat there." There's the occasional hiccups there. Um, I think he could be a little bit better in the run support area, but I, for me personally, I, I like Ross, and I just think from uh, and Artie Burns, hopefully he gets healthy. I saw Jeremy Fowler tweet that he should be back, barring any setbacks, uh, tomorrow. Um, if you look at, you know, uh, Ross and Artie, you know, while there's definitely some question marks, I think that that's a pretty solid tandem. And, you know, you hopefully inject some youth into the slot area 
whether it's Cam Sutton, who's a little banged up right now, uh, Mike Hilton, who I, w- I would love to get your uh, take on him, how he's been. Uh, obviously, Will Gay still there, but he's obviously, you know, on the downward uh, trajectory towards his career. So, quickly, just a recap of the corners. You know, what have you seen, just like the receivers, what have you seen, what have you liked, what have you not liked? Yeah, I think I, I'm with you, Dimitri, on Cockrell. You know, I think he, if you talk to William Gay or Ike Taylor, who's working as a scouting intern right now, those are guys that were kind of the whipping boys of Steelers Nation at points in their career. And then I think when you look back, fans realize, hey, those guys are actually pretty good. We, you know, we gave them too much of a hard time. Um, yeah, Cockrell's going to have his losses. I mean, A.B. is just toasting him right now. Uh, he got burned real bad yesterday. Cockrell did, but that's to be expected. A.B.'s the best receiver in the world. Uh, I think Cockrell's had his moments against a guy like Justin Hunter, who we've seen throughout most the camp. Um, he's definitely improved. I think Cockles in the prime of his career right now. We have to remember, Cockles was a guy that was part of the 75-man cutdown from Buffalo. Pittsburgh picked him up right before the regular season began, and by week two, he was playing you know, a starting corner spot uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And his improvement and ability to kind of pick up the playbook and hit the ground running in a very tough situation, I think, goes unnoticed. He's gotten better as a, as a tackler, been a little bit more physical in the run game. He's not great. He's always going to be about average, but I've seen strides there, you know, last year compared to his first year in Pittsburgh. And I think just generally speaking, he's going to be a solid number two corner and hopefully burns. And as camp has shown us early on, at least, I think he's progressing towards that to becoming a number one shadow, your top receiver um, kind of cornerback. So I think Cockle's been better than expected. Uh, Mike Hilton has been making plays since the spring from all the reports then. You watch him in camp now. The guy makes a lot of plays. He's a big hitter. He's physical, undersized, but he plays with a chip on his shoulder because of it um, that has the ability to finish plays and is a really good leap where he tacks the football in the air. Um, I think he plays catch points really well and finds the football at its highest point. So it's still not a guarantee he's going to make the roster. That sixth corner spot is still wide open. You basically pick one of Brian Allen, Senquez Golson, and Hilton. Um, you know, obviously Golson's been hurt. So, uh, you know, the quarterback's group's been pretty good, though. Brian Allen's getting better. His coverage techniques still need to work. He gets out of phase too much, looks back at the football, creates too much separation at the top, but his run fits are strong. I think he's got a want to as a tackler, and he has shown improvement. So um, it's a young group, but an improving group, and um, I can't say enough about Artie Burns. He's been really strong uh, before going down with that uh, knee injury, uh, the Friday Night Lights practice, but he's, he's really matched up against A.B. Well and embraced that challenge. Alex, I just want to jump in quickly here, trying not to embarrass myself. I'm not sure Dimitri told you uh, I have more of a Philadelphia Eagles background. But just on the other side of the ball, obviously this was more of a a conversation, I think, earlier in the offseason before last year's season even ended, was obviously the the future of Ben Roethlisberger. And obviously they they addressed it a little bit, you know, depending on how you look at it, by drafting uh, Josh Dobbs. But I just want to get your opinion on, I mean, and maybe nobody really has a solid opinion because it's a year-to-year thing now. But, I mean, with Ben and the quarterback situation, I've talked to Dimitri a lot of times off the year just about how, you know, I had to go through this with the Eagles watching, you know, when the quarterback that you grow up with and has been there for a long time, and that was Donovan McNabb with the Eagles, you know, when Ben is gone in Pittsburgh, it's going to be, you know, I think it'll be almost a, a culture shock for some people in Pittsburgh. And so... I mean, what is your opinion just on, on Ben's future, short-term and long-term, and the Steelers at quarterback? Yeah, it, it's a good question. It's a huge question, and one I try not to think about because it makes me sad because you don't know how things are going to go you know, after Big Ben. You know, people have to remember, it took them a long time between Bradshaw and Ben. There was the 80s and the 90s there where they never had that true franchise quarterback. There were the Mark Malone and the Bubby Brister ages that I'm sure people try to forget. 
no one knows what's going to happen with Ben, and, and I know Ben doesn't even know what's going to happen. He said he's taking it year by year. He won't commit to anything beyond, you know, this year. Um, and and I, I believe when he says it because you just, you know, it's a family decision. You know, you don't know how he's going to play this year. I mean, I expect him to still play well, but, you know, how does Ben feel? Does Ben feel like he's getting worse? Does he feel like he can get out, you know, get out another year? Um, it, it's really up in the air right now. My guess, and this is just, a pure guess, because again, no one knows, is that he plays this year and he plays in 2018 and then he's done. That's just my guess. That could obviously change. You know, Josh Dobbs has been really impressive uh, for a fourth round pick. Uh, and not only just post snap, but pre snap. His command of the offense, getting out of the huddle quickly, not a lot of mistakes at the line. Coaches don't have to reset the huddle very often. He's a good decision maker. He's shown improvement in that regard. Good ball placement, both short, inter- intermediate, and uh, on the deep ball. Um, he's been good, but do I see him as the heir apparent to Ben Roethlisberger? Probably not. And uh, I'm sure that's a position the team will reinvest in highly, you know, first, second round in the next year or two. Alex, just to uh, jump back in, uh, you know, another kind of a national topic is that they just extended Mike Tomlin's contract through 2020, a guy that, you know, yes, there are times where I certainly question his decision-making, but I don't think there's a fan or a a sports guy, a media guy that doesn't question a head coach's decision-making every now and again. You know, mm-hmm. can you just talk about your opinion of Mike Tomlin, how you feel about him as a head coach, how he's evolved since year one, uh, and, and how do you feel about the extension of 2020? Oh, I, I was excited. It's well-deserved. And, and I, you know, I know some Steelers fans just aren't fans of the head coach. That's just how some Steelers fans are, just like offensive coordinators. Guys will hate the offensive coordinator no matter who they bring in. They can bring in the next Bill Walsh, and guys will be like, this guy is just trash. <laughs> so it's just the way it goes. But, you know, with Tomlin, obviously, he's an excellent and those guys. People, you know, Clearly, every head coach has a great understanding of football. But, it, you know, when we think of Mike Tomlin, we think about how he relates to players and how he works with guys and um, just the respect level that he has for the group that, that he, he, he's a part of. Um, I talk to a lot of, in the off season some of the undrafted guys, sometimes tryout guys, and I ask them, you know, when, you, when you're at rookie minicamp or, you know, you're in training camp, you know, you're the – 90th guy on the roster do you feel like you get treated the same as the stars as the ab's and rosenbergers and instantly every single guy says you know we feel like we're treated with respect in the same way and tomlin always gives us the time he never looks down upon uh, upon us just because we're you know guys that might not have the best shot to, to make the roster and impact the team so um you know i think that just shows the kind of character that Tomlin has and the team follows suit and this is a Steelers team that's dealt with a ton of adversity whether it's injury suspensions bad losses um, you know things of that nature and they've always been able to overcome that when I think a lot of other teams would have wilted and I think that's part of Tomlin's culture of the next man up and that never say die attitude um, that I think is infectious for the rest of the team and you know Tomlin's second half seasons of his teams are really good they went what I think eight and oh last year the two years before they went six and two, um, you know, I think in 2015 and 2016. So, um, you know, it, it's it, it's part of a culture that he's, you know, inherited in Pittsburgh because it's already established, but then he's furthered. And, um, you know, I, I think guys respect him. They fight for him. And that's the mark of a good head coach. If you have a locker room that respects you and fights for you and works uh, and, and buys into the system, then you can succeed. It doesn't matter if you're the best exes and those guys in the world. If you lose that locker room, you lose your job. And Tomlin's never lost that locker room. And that's a testament to him for 10 years of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I couldn't agree more. And a uh, quick side note, I've actually had the pleasure of getting to know Shamarco Thomas, who's no longer a Pittsburgh Steeler, but I met him two years ago. We've become really close friends. 
uh, who told, shared obviously a lot of stories about uh, inside that locker room, players, coaches, and Mike. You know, Mike Tomlin was obviously an obvious uh, hot topic that we discussed, and it was interesting to hear if his players' perspective that was in that locker room uh, for four years and played with them. Um, obviously, best wishes to him in New York. Uh, but quickly switching gears, I got two more for you if you don't mind, Alex. One. Uh, again, going towards the blitz, we're going to look past the preseason for a second, but then we're going to come right back to it. Overall, what's your best case scenario for this team in 2017, and what's the worst case scenario? Well, you know, it's still going to be tough to knock off New England. You know, that's obviously the the dragon they've been trying to slay for since Tom Brady became Tom Brady, I think. Uh, obviously, anything less than a you know, number two seed winning the AFC North by comfortable margin, I think, would be a disappointment and a bit of a surprise. The AFC North are still going to be tough in those individual games because anytime you play Baltimore, Cincinnati, or even Cleveland, regardless of how their records are or what their rosters look like, it's always going to be a tough fight. Uh, the Steelers won, you know, uh, the AFC North by three games last year on paper, but we know they had to win that Baltimore game where AB stretched over the goal line. Otherwise, you know, that could have been a whole different story. That's how tight in reality it was. Uh, but this is still a team that on paper should be a 12-4 and kind of, you know, football team. Um, the, the biggest key to their success or their failure is going to be the, that four-man pass rush. Tomlin and Keith Butler have talked about it time and time again. We have to be able to get home with four. We can't rely on the blitz and feel obligated to send five or six or send a ton of fire zones um, that's going to hurt yourself in the back end and the secondary. Um, so, you know, there's a big target on Bud Dupree this year that he's got to be a guy that has to step up a third year guy obviously missed the first half of last year with the, the hernia surgery um, he has to be dominant TJ Watt the high investment in him he doesn't have to be as dominant of course but he's got to be able to give you a steady contribution so that four-man pass rush is going to be really critical and then just in coverage in the secondary you know a lot of talks been made about man-to-man defense and you're going to see more of that this year there's no doubt in my mind and I think the early results in camp are encouraging but it goes beyond just playing more man-to-man. The thing that got Steelers into trouble last year, especially against New England, you know, we all remember that game, was that they were too predictable of a defense. You know, they were running the same coverages against the same looks too often. It's not about playing man-to-man 85% of the time. No one does that in the NFL. It's about being varied in your coverages and knowing about, you know, self-scouting so you're not being predictable. And on third and eight, you're not calling the same thing every single time. You know, the offenses are too smart. They're going to figure you out. So I think it's the ability to play man, but the ability to play pattern matching zone coverage, uh, playing straight, you know, spot dropping zone coverage, um, you know, based on game plan, based on down distance, and giving varied looks that will, you know, keep offenses on their toes and not let your defense be predictable. That's really going to be the key to success. So if they can play more man coverage and, and, and be successful in that, it will make them more varied and give them more options overall. And if they can get home with four, then it's going to be a really good year. If it isn't, then you could see, you know, a 10-6 and six season and, and maybe a fight for the AFC North, which would be a disappointment and certainly would not be good enough to beat the New England Patriots. Yeah, and real quick before I jump into my last question, you talk about being predictable. I knew in the AFC Championship game, the second that Tom Brady saw Mike Mitchell come down into the box, mm-hmm. and he checked it and hit Chris Hogan for about a 20-yard gain down the seam. Uh, I, yep. I said, he's got, he knows exactly what we're doing. And I think you guys at Steelers Depot did a good job uh, of reiterating that, I think, in the game, you know, after the game and really looking mm-hmm. at it. Because I think the Steelers did the same thing against Miami where Mike Mitchell came down and blitzed and got the sack of Matt Moore. Um, yep. 
you're, so, you're exactly right, Dimitri. Yeah, that was that was Miami. It was their thunder fire zone. Uh, it was against uh, 12 personnel uh, with the two slot receivers, uh, you know, receivers to each side. And they did against Miami to success, but New England did it twice, and both times had big games. It's Brady was checking out of it. He knew where to go. That's the stuff I talk about, you know, predictability, self-scouting. You know, do you respond the same way uh, to every personnel grouping and every formation grouping? You can't do that, like, especially against Belichick and Brady, but really against anybody in the NFL. So that's what I talk about. It's not about playing man coverage. It's about understanding your own tendencies and having the ability to play different stuff to be, you know, to have those tendency breakers so you can't be predictable as a defense and get burned like the Patriots burn the Steelers. And my final one, Alex, for you, just for, like I said, going back to the preseason, Friday night, obviously, the first preseason game, you're probably not going to see any of the starters. Um, but just give us a few names uh, to keep an eye out for on Friday night against the Giants in MetLife. Yeah, I think, again, Mike Hilton's going to be interesting. You know, can he make his way onto the roster? Again, that's not guaranteed. Uh, special teams is going to be big for those guys. You know, obviously, you want to see them at corner. Hilton's going to probably get – most, maybe all the snaps at slot corner because I doubt Will Gay's going to play in some of the injuries that this team's having in the secondary. You know, Cam Sutton and the like kind of makes this group thin right now. Um, but he'll not special teams. I think he'll do well. He has that background and he has that run and hit attitude that endears itself to that unit. Um, you know, elsewhere, Gerald Hawkins, you know, we want to see how he's progressing. It's been a bit of an up and down camp for him. This is a guy that was had a really impressive training camp last year as a rookie, uh, then got hurt with, I think, a shoulder injury and put him on IR for the year. So, you know, we'll see how he looks in game action. That's a guy uh, definitely to watch out for. A running back, you know, there's uh, open spots in the practice squad for running back right now. Trey Williams, a small guy from Texas A&M, a big high school recruit coming out that never had the college production, um, undersized, but a twitchy guy that I, you know, I bet it's going to bust off either a big run or a big return because he would make plays in space. Then you have Terrell Watson, who's a different mold, 200 40-pound back, broke all of Christian Okoye's records in college. Um, you know, the Steelers like to have big, you know, big backs on their practice squad, and he did well yesterday in, their, in the goal line situation. He had three touchdowns on three carries. So um, that's a guy to watch out for. Can he carve out a role in the practice squad? He'll certainly get a lot of carries. And then defensively, uh, LT on the nose tackle. He's done well so far this year. So is Tyson Alualu. Um, you know, we'll see how Walton looks in his first game action on nose tackle. So a lot going on, and uh, really excited to have the Steelers football back. Alex, uh, I think it goes without saying we really appreciate uh, you coming on and doing this interview with us, and hopefully uh, we'll be blessed to have your appearance again on the CD podcast. Cody, do you have any parting shots for Alex? I just got to say, you know, you guys, you know, I'm in awe over here listening to you go back and forth, but I, th- I think it just speaks volumes that, you know, it doesn't really matter what team you're talking about. I'm looking at it from an objective standpoint. You can tell when somebody knows their stuff, you know, knows what they're talking about, and it's pretty clear that Alex does. We're, you know, privileged to have him on. I think you guys had a great back and forth. And anyone who tunes in will definitely be a little bit more educated Steelers-wise. Um, great to have you on, Alex. I know Dimitri was really pumped to have you on. I was as well hearing him talk about you. So uh, we appreciate it, appreciate the knowledge, and uh, we'll be looking out for your stuff at Steelers Depot throughout the season. Yeah, thank you guys so much. I'd love to be on. Dimitri, just hit me up anytime. I'll be happy to jump on with you guys again. Thank you, brother. All right, moving on from that. I mean, like I said, Dimitri, I think that Alex just is, I mean, you can tell, you know, whether we're talking about the Steelers or the Jaguars or the, you know, the Titans, whatever. I mean, you can tell when somebody knows their stuff and it was pretty clear he knows, you know, what's the ins and outs. And and obviously you are in that same boat. You know, that's why we rely on you for the Steelers stuff here. But I think it was, uh, it was a great, great to have him on. Great conversation. Oh, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, 
Alex is or and you know what's funny too? It's like it's almost like we can re- really relate to uh, you know him because he went to Clarion, a, a PSAC school right around the neck of the woods of IUP. So it's just interesting to have uh, someone that's around our age, uh, same neck of the woods that really knows and really has shares the same passion for football that we do. Um, and clearly, uh, the way he's able to articulate just not just from a Steelers perspective, but just from an X's and O's standpoint. Um, it's it's uh, it's awesome. Uh, really appreciative of him coming on again. Uh, and if you don't follow him on Twitter uh, or follow Steelers Depot, if you're a Steelers fan, you need to. You're missing out. Uh, you'll learn a lot. I've learned a lot from Alex and Steelers Depot. Uh, so it's 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 a great site. It's a great uh, Steelers um, network, and it couldn't be more uh, humble to have Alex on. Yeah, I was actually almost going to jump in when he was talking about um, Juju Smith-Schuster being just 20 years old. And that almost floored me for a second because, you know, we are all, Alex, you and I are all, you know, similar age, you know, in the 20s there, you know, not too far removed from from being in college. And it it is interesting when you get to the point uh, watching football or covering football when the guys, the players that you're watching and and analyzing start to become younger than you, um, which is definitely, you know, it's just odd. Uh, I mean, and I'm sure a lot of people, you know, a lot of people in the media deal with that. You know, a lot of people are twice the age of these guys they're covering. But it is weird when you, you grow up a fan and all of a sudden, wow, I'm a, I'm actually older than some of these guys coming in the NFL right now. I mean, I mean yeah. you got to be – it floors you. You're rooting for these guys. You're, you're Maybe you're even putting their jerseys on and these well, guys it's are – it's funny because you remember the days you're, you're watching, like, man, you know, uh, you know, it's like it, it, now, now that we're getting older, it's like, good Lord, Juju Smith-Schuster's only 20 years old? I mean, he's not going to be until 21 until he's November, Cody. I mean, this kid's a child. Well, that's what I'm saying, and and I think Ezekiel Elliott, I'm not positive on his age right now, but he's got to be around the same age when he came in last year at least. And I was thinking, you know, here I am. And you know we, you know we're we we like watching the game. You know we're not trying to be out there. But here's this guy, younger than us. You know, rookie of the year in the in the in the NFL. You know, running back for the Dallas Cowboys. You know, anybody that comes in these days, it's it is interesting. I mean, just when you grow up, obviously the, the same as you know, idolizing a movie star or something like that. I mean, you look at these athletes like they're 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 giants. I mean, they're not just physically, but, you know, they're they're ahead of you. But when you start to get older than them, it's a, it flips a little bit. But uh, and, I, and I was even going to ask you on a previous episode about, and maybe we'll dive into this later or if you have a quick thought now, about jersey wearing as fans. You know, some people, you know, love it. You know, 50, 60, 70 years old, they're rocking the jerseys. Other people think, you know, once you reach a certain age, you shouldn't be wearing jerseys anymore. I, I don't believe, I mean, Especially, I guess, when you get older than the players. But still, I mean, what if you're supporting a team, what's wrong with wearing a jersey? I don't know where you've seen that, but that's totally blasphemy. If you enjoy the player, enjoy the team, you wear the jersey. There's nothing wrong with it. You support your team. The highs and the lows, you take the good with the bad. You wear maybe, your team, you support it. And you... Yeah. Maybe it's a very minor faction of people. You know, I, you see a lot of things when you're on, you know, especially the social media crowd with fans and what's right and you know grown man shouldn't be wearing a jersey what you grow if you're gonna make the argument a grown man shouldn't be wearing an nfl jersey i guess you should say you know you know that's yeah you're right you know you you spoke sense into me and i think that is kind of blasphemy i mean if, if you're dedicating time to watch the nfl what you know what the heck's wrong with wearing a jersey yeah, I don't i don't know who would think that it's wrong or, or it's not okay you wear the jersey 
Well, in the interest of time, you know, we're gonna. Uh, this is gonna be an episode that's obviously Steeler centric, and um, you know, we got a lot from Alex to process. You know, you, I, I'm surely gonna be going back and re-listening to that so I can, you know, get on your level of uh, Pittsburgh knowledge. But it, just before we we wrap it up here, I wanted to touch on the biggest news out this week. We talked in our last episode about the Dolphins potentially losing a uh, Ryan Tannehill, but they have signed Jay Cutler to a deal that is worth apparently up to $10 million, which used to seem like a lot, but now is pretty much, you know, chump change for a quarterback. Um, let's just let's just hit on that quickly before we wrap this thing up. Jay Cutler's a Miami Dolphin. Last time I got super excited thinking about the idea. You didn't seem so excited. Um, obviously, Colin Kaepernick is still on the market. Apparently he was considered by Miami, but Jay Cutler is a also Dolphin. With, did you see who also was considered? Yes, uh, I did. I saw Brock Osweiler's name. I saw Tim Tebow's name. I saw Kyle Orton's name. Okay, I heard I mean, of Kyle really, Orton, really, and I saw Tim Tebow. Check- I didn't hear. Go ahead. They were they were checking up. They were checking up on everybody. Yeah, I didn't hear the Brock Osweiler thing, but I did see Kyle Orton, saw, which makes a little sense with Adam Gase. But right, which, is what, which is what the which which is what the you know the connection between Cutler and Adam Gase and the Dolphins which makes sense from a football standpoint that they have, see, he played under him in Chicago. Uh, he knows that system. Um, now I just, I just did see something on Twitter that I, I, I totally forgot about. We know, I don't know if anybody forgot, but Jay Cutler had uh, shoulder problems at the end of last year. So we got to see where his health is with his arm, um, you know, shoulders injuries and quarterbacks, you know, that could, you know, that could be detrimental. I mean, I go back to a guy like Chad Pennington who had multiple uh, shoulder injuries that really derailed his career. We really could never see him push the ball vertically. Um, but Jay Kyler to the Dolphins, I mean, if I'm a Dolphins fan, yeah. I, I tell you, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, not even just talking about from a, from a Kaepernick standpoint. You know, that is what it is. You know, we can, we're going to beat the dead horse if we keep talking about it. But from a purely football standpoint, I see the connection with Adam Gase. You know, I see the intrigue there. Cutler, I was I was always a fan of Cutler's arm talent. I think there's no denying. I think he throws a, a pretty football. Uh, he throws a, a good ball, but you know you you, you got to, you know his leadership has always been questioned. His decision making has always been questioned. Uh, and in Miami, and now unfortunately there's a report out there that Jarvis Landry, the top receiver down there, is under investigation, potentially domestic. Yeah. So. It's been a pretty troubling week or two for the Miami Dolphins. Uh, but purely from a football standpoint, if you're going to ask if I hate it or love it, I don't know if you're going that direction. Um, I, I guess if, if you're going to put me on the spot, I'd go I love it because only from the perspective of the fact that Color's a veteran. He knows Adam Gase. Adam Gase knows him. He's got some weapons around him. Uh, and I think, you know, they're a pretty solid football team. Um, so I, I think, it, you know, Color has a chance to be successful. Uh, in this year for the Miami. Well, I guess maybe I should say, if you're looking at it from purely a football perspective, I mean, you know, you're right. Jay Cutler had health problems. I don't know that they would have signed him if they're looking at all these options. I don't know if they would have landed on Cutler if they were still seriously concerned about the injury. But I, I guess I like it more just for the storyline. I mean, we, we Jay Cutler retired, but kind of we all knew, you know, maybe if he would actually have gotten some looks and, you know, there was a, a report that he got, you know, he got passed over in New York where the Jets, I mean, they'd take anybody to be quarterback, or at least they should. And, and uh, you know, I, I think we all knew Jay Cutler wanted to be back at least a little bit. And so 
I think it's just fun. I mean, it's just a fun storyline that all of a sudden, you know, obviously it's not fun for Ryan Tannehill or the Dolphins necessarily, but I think it's cool that all of a sudden, wow, like Jay Cutler's back in the league. He's with the Dolphins in a, in a division where I saw somebody post a stat today. It might have been Sports Illustrated that in games against Tom Brady, Jay Cutler has been severely outscored, and, and that goes, you know, that that blame goes not just for Jay Cutler, but I just think it's a cool storyline. I mean, it, it makes the NFL offseason, this coming season, a little bit more fun. And it's it's kind of an odd bunch that they looked at. I mean, I can understand the Kaepernick and Jay Cutler, but, I mean, when you throw Tim Tebow and, and Kyle Orton, and, I mean, that seems a little like you're reaching way back for the Adam Gase, you know, connection. Yeah, I I, 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 I mean, mean, were they really? Yeah. I mean, it, were they really considering, you know, I, I could see considering Tim Tebow or Kyle Orton as like a a guy who if you know Tannehill's going to be there, you're going to maybe throw him in there. But, but I mean, and I I am not one of those Tim Tebow haters. I'm far from it. But but it's very hey, listen, odd to he's, think he's, that. He's, bat, he's batting well for my double-A Binghamton Mets, if you want to be quite, if you want to. No, sorry, I'm sorry. Excuse me, excuse me. Not double-A. I'm sorry, single-A. I'm jumping the gun here. I'm thinking he's already got a promotion, Cody. He will. He already was up with, yeah, he will. He, listen, the way he's batting in single-A, he might. Uh, but, no, I agree with you. I mean, that's reaching, really reaching. Um, I mean, maybe I'm that not, was just for, you know, for the heck I'm of it. Surprised. But... I'm kind of surprised that they didn't. They didn't want to necessarily wait it out with Matt Moore. Um, not to you know, listen, Matt Moore is what he is. Uh, he's kind of that Brian Hoyer mold to me. I mean, you, you can go yeah. back and forth about that if you'd like, but I'm not going to. But he's kind of in that mold to me. I mean, I think you can do a lot worse than Matt Moore. And I mean, I get it. You know, you you want to you want to try and compete. Uh, I mean, obviously they're not going to compete for the division with New England. You know, I, I I mean, I think Miami is a good football team. But they're not on the same level or in the same planet yeah. as New England. They, they, they have a lot more, wild card. Yeah, they have a lot more talent than I think people realize. But you're right. I mean, well, Matt Moore, I think, is a serviceable guy. But I, I, I mean, I think if the Cutler because signing says anything, have, it, should, it says they want somebody for long. You know, the whole season. Right, and you know, there's haven't. Really, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do with Tannehill. I mean, they're still talking about whether he needs season-ending surgery or if that's the route that they're going to go. But even still, like I said, you know, they're not they're not even 100% sure what they're going to do with that yet. So who's to say that, you know, Tannehill can't come back by, you know, Thanksgiving or something? I mean, I know that's speculating, but I'm just saying, you know, why, you know, you put $10 million into Jay Cutler to come in and, you know, he was just retired, you know, and they always say, once, you're re- once you start thinking about retirement, you're already retired. So he can say all he wants that, you know, he was on the fence about coming, coming you know, playing this year or, you know, he, didn't want, he retired this. To my opinion – which is why I get scary when Ben talks about retirement. Because, like I say, they always say when you start thinking about retirement, you're already retired. So you you got to be careful with that. I mean, I hope it pays off for him. Uh, like I said, I mean, it'd be interesting to see any kind of competition with New England and the AFC East uh, because of the cakewalk division that they have. Uh, but you know, maybe cut. Like I said, like he's got some weapons around him. He's got a, uh, a good head coach, in my opinion, and a good a good offensive guy and Adam Gates that he obviously has familiarity with. We've already talked about that, but Cutler has a chance to an, an, just another chance to just prove that he can be a quality starting NFL quarterback. I think the yeah, chances and, of being a franchise quarterback are come and gone, but I think he can really uh, make a you know do some uh, good good things for himself if he has a nice year. If he ends up being a starter and plays the whole season for the Dolphins and leads them to yeah. a, you know a playoff experience. 
I wish that I could give credit to whoever was listing these things off because I read it last night quickly and didn't see who it was from. And I'm thinking it's Sports Illustrated again, but basically they're saying, you know, if you remember, and, and this might not be the same situation, but Carson Palmer, um, when he was, you know, semi kind of retired from the Bengals because he wanted to leave Cincinnati, um, you know, it wasn't until he was like 35, you know, mid-30s that he finally ended up, you know, after going to Oakland, he ended up in Arizona and kind of had a career resurgence. And obviously Jay Cutler, he's not, you know, he's still got a couple of years till he's that age where, you know, when Carson Palmer got to Arizona, where if he has a little bit of a resurgence, you know, maybe he finds new life in the NFL. And the other thing is that Ryan Tannehill, I believe his contract after this season, would there, there's no guaranteed money tied to him. And so a lot could change in Miami. I don't anticipate Jay Cutler being I mean I don't know if anyone even in Miami anticipates him being there beyond 2017 but it makes for an interesting storyline I mean it's uh, a whole lot nicer of a storyline than what could potentially be of the Jarvis Landry uh, situation so uh, you know Miami wow I mean Tom Brady right when you think maybe this is going to be the year for Tannehill um, taking another step forward in a division that desperately needs competition quarterback competition for Brady you know, here comes the uh, you know smoking Jay Cutler, swinging right in. <laughs> I I I see these memes coming left and right. It's they're just terrible. Cause, I mean, believe the poor I guy. Don't, I never I bought mean. into that smoking Jay Cutler. I mean, I don't think it's that funny. I mean, no, I'm just saying it's it's the social media world we live in is just uh, it's just. Uh, hey, take you know, give yourself a break from that, Dimitri. See, we could have a whole episode about that. You don't need to. And I also, I was even thinking about writing that, because I'll do the Weekly Eagles column for the Bleeding Green Nation. I was thinking about, you know, is there a difference between, like, Internet fans and the fans that show up at the stadium every week? Like, because Internet fans can be harsh. Like, they are on everyone. And, and specific well, players that don't, you say, know what I'm saying? No, I totally know what they're saying. Maybe, maybe this is a little different than what you're saying, but I always say that there's a sports a guy that really watches sports, watches the games, and has their own opinions, and there's a guy that reads the bottom line. Yeah. Well, that's why That's why yeah. I told you. People don't know. I told you. And it's, you know, if you can control yourself, it's one thing. But if you're on social media throughout the whole game, what are you doing? I mean, watch the game. Don't let all these people, you know, oh, you know, this guy's trash. This guy's trash. I told you he was trash. You know, I said last October he was trash. You just putting yourself in a garbage pit i mean just watch the game form your opinions like you said and then if you want to share them share them but you get bogged down in all the you know a lot of unnecessary because you know we talk it's fun to talk here, about here, you know, go ahead here's, chime in there here, here, let me cut you off we here's what we call them in pittsburgh we call them yinzers that's what they're yins are going to yin and that's basically saying you know uh you know yeah i get it you know you know, basically the most asinine comments you can ever think of. Yeah, you're you're never going to get rid of. I mean, there's always going to be. I mean, this this is a fact of life. You're always going to have people that are going to be, you know, the skeptics, the critics, whatever. But I mean, if you're just trying to, you know, enjoy the, I would just say watch the game and form your opinions. And you know, if you want to share them, that's fine. But I just, uh, you get so people get so caught up in like trying to prove themselves right rather than wanting the team to do well. And you know, you. You start defending more your your own hot takes than you are your team, and it's fun to predict things, and it's fun to say, you know, it's fun for me to, you know, I, I joke with you about the Steelers, you know, if they have a bad game, I'll 
throw out some exaggerated comment, you know, just for fun or, but it's, it's, if you hold yourself to it and take yourself too seriously, I mean, it gets, it gets exhausting instead of just enjoying your team. I mean, geez, what a, what a, what a solemn, what a solemn topic. Well, right. I mean, you're going to be depressed. I mean, football's coming back. I mean, no, nah, football's back, baby. You talk all you want. You go post it. You put your jersey on, like we said, and you rock your, you know, wreck your Steelers stuff. I don't care. And what, you know, football's back. It's coming around. Um, you know, we had a great time talking with Alex today. We are going to be talking off the air and on the air coming up. Football season is, is, is right around the corner. It started. I mean, Dallas won, and it didn't count. Weren't you proud of that? <laughs> And then, hey, well, listen. Uh, from I guess if you're an Eagles fan, that's big time. And I mean, we've got games on Wednesday. We got the Texans and the Panthers uh, starting off Week One of the preseason, seven thirty. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's rolling in, and and I'm glad we got this thing moving here. We got a great guest like Alex to keep us pushing forward, and uh, you know, love talking football. We're gonna hit on more topics um, in an episode where obviously we don't have a, an esteemed special guest here, so. Um, you know, in the interest of time, we'll, we'll wrap this thing up with a pretty bow. Dimitri, we're going to be back soon. We're going to be talking football. We're going to be talking the Steelers' uh, undefeated preseason record at some point, I'm sure. Um, you know, <laughs> it's back. It's back. Cody. I mean, get yourself fired I mean, up. You got me fired up. Listen, the Steelers are not going to go 4 no. I mean, the Steelers historically stink in the preseason. Uh, but that's why it's the preseason. It doesn't matter. But doesn't nonetheless, it is football, and if you're a real football fan, you won't just sit there and say this, these games don't matter. They may not re- matter in the record uh, in the win-loss column, but they sure as hell matter when it comes to establishing a football team that hope that has the uh, goals and aspirations to be Super Bowl champions. Yep. And this is uh, you're going to hear all about it more as as the season comes up here. This is the NFL CD podcast with Cody Benjamin and Dimitri George on the other line. You can follow us on Twitter at the NFLCD, and you can subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a review. It's all for free. Just search the NFLCD podcast. That's another one in the books. We'll be back talking football again soon.